0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: All right, it's time now to move on to our numbers game. Okay, Dan, every week in the Chicago Tribune, chicagotribune.com, you have a, a, an array of numbers that tell the story about what to expect. Before we get to our predictions and bringing bringing Adam, What about uh, the numbers game? Which is the first one that you think is worth paying attention to?
2: All right. The first one I give you today, David, is 2,974. That is the rushing yardage total of the 1984 Walter Payton-led Bears single-season franchise record. Walter Payton had 1,684 yards in that season. That was the second-highest total of his illustrious career. The Bears, the current Bears, on pace, for 3,077 yards for this season. In the 17-game season, it will allow them to pass that single-season total if they stay on this pace. That is astounding. I asked Cole Komet about that in the locker room today. He's like, look, I know there's a lot of concern about our passing game, but when you have that kind of production in the running game, lean into it, right? Lean into it, and eventually the passing game will catch up a little bit. That's a a, a pretty mind-boggling number to wrap your head around with what they're doing right now with the the trio of, of really Fields, Montgomery, and Herbert.
1: What's remarkable is that they're able to be number one in rushing in the NFL seven games into the season with an offensive line that's been very maligned and came into the season full of question marks, that some of which still exist. And unsettled,
2: number, right? Like shaking up. Very every unsettled,
1: not having the same five on a, on a regular basis. Number two, you don't have a dominant running back, the most important runner. To, in person to your running game is your quarterback, which is very unusual, very unorthodox, and yet you are leading the NFL in rushing. And three, you, this is a different era, and I think that you have now an opportunity to establish an identity. You want to lean into the fact that you are one of the best teams running the football, and I loved hearing Matt Eberflus talk about how, and he wasn't a veiled shot at Matt Nagy. This is just who he is, saying there are some coaches that, talk about committing to the run and there are others that do it and basically saying it without saying it he's one that that does it and Luke Getzey does it and they are I mean it's one of the reasons that they won against the Patriots it's one of the things that they do best this season so congratulations number one in the league so far Russian.
2: Matty Bufus also said and I thought this was notable if subtle that that Offensive line coach Chris Morgan and assistant offensive line coach Austin King were calculated hires back in the winter because they know how to commit to the run. They know how to teach it to their players, and they've had success doing it. And so that's an, it goes back to, to, to sort of this, this this attention to detail and this vision and making sure that your philosophies are supported by the people you bring in as subordinates to lead your program. And so that was not lost on me that, that, that those two guys have gotten results out of, as you said, an offensive line that's been shaken up repeatedly and they continue to have success running the football.
1: I love the focus on the position coaches having an impact on the position players and how that is leading to success collectively as a unit and then as a team. What's your next number?
2: 29. That's the sack total of the Dallas Cowboys. You don't have to go down the list very far to find them. They are number one in the NFL with 29 sacks. Micah Parsons has eight of those. The Chicago Bears. 27 sacks allowed Justin Fields is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL in 2022 the formula tells you uh oh you're going to have some difficulty protecting your quarterback on Sunday so if you're Luke Getze you better get creative you better find answers you better get extra help you better find ways to protect Justin because my goodness this is a relentless defense playing against an offense that has obviously shown that it can can give up sacks in a hurry
1: Uh Oh, is the operative word. We have to let you know that Thursday uh, at practice for the Cowboys, Micah Parsons was on the injury list and limited because of his shoulder situation. You wonder where that is headed. Dan, I want to ask you this. They move him around a lot. He'll line up in the a gap. He'll line up on either edge. If you had to think that there there's one area where the Cowboys will try to exploit with Micah Parsons, where might that be?
2: Look, I, I I think it's everywhere. Right. And I think that's what Dan Quinn loves. It's the ability to, to, to from play to play, series to series, keep the offense off balance by moving them around and saying, look, like we can we can try different things to create that pressure. Now, Justin Fields on Wednesday noted that the Eagles did a, a nice job slowing Parsons down a little bit by, by essentially making him the read defender on some zone read stuff. Right. And so. With the skill set that Justin has, and the more design runs that the, the Bears folded in the offense against the Patriots, now all of a sudden maybe you can do that a little bit and, and make him be a guy that has to uh, think a little bit and not just be coming full bore to take the quarterback's head off. And so we'll see what what Luke He can come up with. He was very clear on Thursday in saying, "Look, you better figure out where that guy's at. You may have to put some plans in that." don't allow you to know where he's going to be from play to play but you better know where he is and who's responsible for him otherwise you're in big big trouble and so i think he's embracing that challenge and now he's got to got to rise to the occasion
1: micah parsons might be the only guy on the cowboy defense who could catch justin fields if he gets away (laughs)
2: you're right and and yeah i mean they've got some difference makers demarcus lawrence still up front you've got trevon diggs on the back end this defense is really really good and and we talked about this the other day that coming off that that 33 point outburst against the patriots this is not the matchup you wanted to follow up with the bears are going to just have to 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 figure out what they can do with it and and it's a test for luke it's a test for justin fields and don't forget dan quinn was one of the three finalists yeah For the head coaching job here. So he may want to have a a little say uh, on Sunday afternoon as well.
1: What's your other number?
2: Final number 16.0. That's the punt return average of Kevante Turpin. Ooh, good one. He also has a 24.6 kickoff return average. He's third in the league in both those categories. Had a 52 yard return against the Lions on punt return on Sunday in the preseason, David. 86-yard touchdown on a punt return, 98-yard touchdown on a kickoff return. Bears special teams coordinator Richard Hightower said this guy's electric. He's got an ability to start and stop. He's fearless. The Bears are going to have to be solid in the third phase on Sunday to have any chance of pulling an upset.
1: All three phases were sound against the Patriots. That's one of the big reasons they won. We'll talk about Kyro Santos. He has his own segment this pod. Can't (laughs) wait to get to that because of his importance as the NFC Special teams player of the week. Dan, before we get to our predictions, I do want to ask you this hypothetical. We talked about it on the Mully and Haw show, and and it just came to me because Micah Parsons was drafted after Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields went 11th to the Bears. Micah Parsons was still on the board. He went 12th to the Cowboys. They're very similar athletes, explosive in college. Parsons at Penn State fields at Ohio State Parsons opted out he dropped do you ever wonder in this you know hypothetical world that we often live in what it would have been like had the Bears taken Micah Parsons instead of Justin Fields and had they taken Micah Parsons instead of Justin Fields would the franchise be closer to winning a Super Bowl
2: listen uh, I lived through 2014 when the Chicago Bears were really really excited to bring Aaron Donald to Hallis Hall as their first round draft pick. And Aaron Donald went one pick ahead of Kyle Fuller. Right, and Phil Emery did not get to 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 get the player that he was longing for. Right, so of course you think about those things, right? Particularly when it's when it's generational difference-making talent, and you and you wonder, man, what what if what could have been? I would like to. I remember in in the weeks leading up to the draft, you know, you didn't know if the Bears were going to have a chance to swing at a quarterback. Right, you remember it was kind of like, oh man, they're not in the the ideal position at, at pick number twenty to get a first-round quarterback. So who are the other players that make sense there? And I remember hearing. Some buzz in NFL circles about look, keep an eye on Micah Parsons. This guy's going to be special. I'd like to go find maybe the capsule that I wrote leading in the draft. I'll send it to studs. We can post it because I, 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 there was like three or four people, you know, buzzing about look out if this guy gets down to you, uh, you know, at 20, the bears were picking 20 at the time. You can't pass on them for what they need. Uh, Difference making talent. Obviously the bears at that point were so desperate to address their quarterback situation with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace trying to save their jobs that they had no other choice, but to jump up and do what they could do to get Justin Fields. But the question you ask is a good one because one of those sliding door situations on what might've been right.
1: Yeah. Because if you redraft the 2021 draft class, there's no doubt in my mind, Micah Parsons would be number one because he is this generation's Lawrence Taylor. And I know it's only been a season and a half but he is this generation's Lawrence Taylor. (laughs) And I think we have seen enough evidence of his athleticism. If he was an edge rusher solely, he would lead the league in sacks. If he was a middle linebacker, he would lead the league in tackles. He does both. And the fact that he's such a dual threat is what makes him special. So, okay, I have a little bit of a – uh, an infatuation with impactful <laughs> defensive players, but it was just worth noting before moving on, because I think that the numbers speak for themselves. And certainly you'll see Sunday, the versatility that he affords Dan Quinn makes Dan yeah. Quinn seem a lot smarter.
2: No question. And Dan Quinn is smart to begin with, and he doesn't need a, a player of Parsons caliber to seem smart. And you're right. He, he seems as smart as can be in the league when you've got that guy to move around and and really, really terrorize opposing offenses.
1: All right. Let's bring in Adam Sadzinski, our ace producer for our predictions. Let's start with studs. Boy, I wonder which direction he's going.
3: <laughs> I might shock you with this one, actually, guys. So All right. uh, I, I, uh, I I will just be straight up honest with you. I picked I got the Cowboys winning this one. I didn't give much consideration to picking the Bears because the Cowboys are just the better team. The defense You're so
1: mature now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Hey, look, weeks on know, the podcast that he's, hey, he's
3: down to earth. Hey, look if they they win this one, I'm going to start picking them every week. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like I try to be a little bit logical with this, and, instead of what Shane does on the on six seventy scorecom and just arbitrarily pick the Bears in a blowout every time but <laughs> I, I we call so, that the rosenblum right yeah right. yeah, yeah right. that's right <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh yeah i i think the score i picked on the on the website there was uh 25 to 17 so i got the bears covering basically and i think that i i'm leaning towards this will be a moral victory like like what they had a few weeks ago right uh against the against the vikings, vikings yeah yeah so that's kind of how I'm looking at this game. I just think that they don't have the, the tools to slow down Micah Parsons. I think they can build on what they were doing offensively on Monday night. I just – I don't think they have enough firepower to overcome a really good Dallas defense. And I think that Dak's going to be able to move the ball better than either quarterback was for New England. And you know, Plus now removing Robert Quinn from the equation, we don't know how that's going to affect anything. So – yeah, I got I got the Cowboys winning this one. But, yeah, again, I think the last – I just looked at the the line is plus, Cowboys minus nine and a half. I think it will be closer than that. So, yeah, but I – I again, the Bears win this one and, and I'm just going to pick them every week.
1: <laughs> real quick. If you're redrafting the 2021 NFL draft, are you taking Trevor Lawrence number one or Micah Parsons? Ooh. I think Micah Parsons.
3: Yeah, I'm with you what you guys are saying because – Trevor Lawrence could still end up being really good. And, you know, Jacksonville's been a, a mess, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, you can't deny the. I don't know if he's quite LT, like you were saying. I know, and you remember a few years ago when, when someone, when the Bears playing the Patriots in 2018 and somebody asked Bill Belichick about Khalil Mack in a, in a Lawrence Taylor impression. Yeah. He's like, whoa, hold yeah. on a second. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs>
1: so, I know you're right. You're right. Yeah. Fair it, that's fair enough. I mean,
3: but Hey, he is, he's, you know, as far as yet, yeah, I, I would absolutely take him number one overall. Like, cool. yeah, because he's, he's that impactful. Cool.
2: So I'm with studs here uh, with a Bears cover. I've got Cowboys 23, Bears 17. I was able to watch most of that Cowboys Lions game live on Sunday afternoon, and Dak and Prescott is still working his way back. He does not look like he is at his sharp precision. Uh, and form that we're used to seeing a at. So the Bears should be able to take advantage of that to stay in a game. Ultimately, you look at Parsons, you look at this Cowboys defense and how opportunistic they are. You look at the current state of the Bears' offensive line, which we'll get to in a few minutes, and you say, man, you're going to have to play near perfect to pull off an upset. Can the Bears do it? Yeah, they can. I wouldn't be stunned if they pulled off an upset. I also wouldn't be stunned if they lost by 18, 19 points, uh crashing back down to earth. So this is a game Sunday that's got a got a world of possibilities to it. And we just have to see how they respond to again a, a week that was full of of events and emotions.
1: It's a it's the beauty of the NFL. I mean, you can't tell. Look at what happened with the Panthers and the Bucks. Nobody would see yeah. that blowout coming with a third string quarterback and an interim head coach. So you just don't know. And that's why you watch and we love it. Okay, I think that with Ezekiel Elliott not being likely to play, that's a big win for the Bears. I don't think that Dak Prescott looked very impressive. We talked to Michael Irvin on the Mully and show, and he's worried about Dak Prescott getting back into form. I said, which Dak do you want, the first or second half guy? He said, neither. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to be the Dak that they're expecting and paying all that money to, and I think that's a good point. So – I do think the Bears will be competitive. I think Justin Fields is starting to feel it. I think he's starting to look at like, uh, you know, he's leaning into these Ravens comps. We'll talk about later the Lamar Jackson imitation, which is a good direction, I think, for him to go. It will be competitive, but I just don't know if this defense can hold up ultimately. C.D. Lamb is going to make a big play. Somewhere else in the passing game will make a big play. 29 for the Cowboys, 23 for the Bears. Close game but ultimately, I think we'll be talking about a moral victory Sunday night.
2: One other thing to keep an eye on, the Bears put the ball on the ground five times in New England, didn't lose any of them. Matty Buflus was not happy about that. Four of those fumbles were credited to Justin Fields, one to Dante Pettis on a muff punt. Take care of the football. If you have any chance to win this game, that ball cannot touch that grass at Jerry
1: World. Dan, the ball is the ball, The, is the, the ball, ball and that is the important thing.
2: There's no think- question.
1: Those are lyrics to a song. Those are words to live by for a coach. That is what we heard this week from Matt D. And those are our predictions. All right, let's move on to the special kicker portion of the program, the Cairo (laughs) Santos special. Okay, Dan, I got in a big debate with a listener the other day who dared to challenge me about my contention that I love – Cairo Santos, I think he's valuable to the Bears, but if I'm forming a team, that I, I, I it's five positions before I get to kick oh, him yeah. in terms of importance. Now that said, doesn't take anything away from what Cairo Santos has accomplished and what he means to this team. He is the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, and you have an appreciation for him like we all do.
2: Look, he hasn't missed a field goal attempt this year. He's got eleven made. 11 attempted four for four from 50 plus, which we'll get to in a minute. And and, and it just gives you the luxury as a coaching staff of understanding that when you reach a certain spot on the field, you can take points. Even Justin Fields mentioned on Wednesday that there's a certain marking on the field. He knows before the game what the range is for Cairo Santos. And when they get there, he, he, he reminds himself, don't don't be reckless here. Right. We've already got points. Don't take a sack. Don't put the ball in harm's way. We've already got points. If we've got to hand it off here on third and eight and get six yards and set them up for an easy field goal like they did on, on, on uh, Monday night in New England, do so. And so th- th- there's a level of comfort that Cairo Santos's presence brings to the coaching staff and the entire operation that is, is significant, and, and it has to be recognized. The other thing I love about Cairo is he's been very, very open and introspective with us the same way Robert Quinn has been, but just letting us in on his kind of career journey and his process and how he finds these streaks, right? He's in the middle of a streak right now where he hasn't missed a kick since week 14 of last year. 17 made field goals in a row. He set the Bears franchise record in 2021 with a two-season run where he made 40 field goal attempts in a row, right? So this is the second time in his Bears career that he's on a long streak of makes. And he's just been very honest about, about you know, sometimes for kickers, you, you get on the the roller coaster and you miss a kick, and and all of a sudden you start overthinking things. And so this week it, we had Caro Santos, after being named Special Teams Player of the Week, in the media room, had a chance to, to visit with him for a few minutes. And I asked him about his four-for-four his four stretch, on 50 yarders, because he's not a big dude at all, but his leg is very strong. He's learned the, the technique and the processes to, to, to get the most out of himself. Here was uh, the, the exchange with Cairo on, on, on being perfect for the season and most significantly, perfect from 50 plus.
4: Think about that today, actually, because uh, I think I always talk about like. Streaks, uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of kick, great kickers that go through um, up and down. They're still great kickers, but there's like streaks of kicks that sometimes you miss that may that make you kind of you know, change something or or, um, or think that you're going through a, a slump. But once you get that streak again of of making kicks, and then maybe the opportunities start. You know easier kicks get you that streak going then start to feel better and making more kicks and then all of a sudden you're kicking unconscious and just making kicks um, the thing that's happened to me um, you know when I hit that streak here and then I'm on a streak now and I feel like that same the same things are happening I hit the streak and now I'm just kind of moving with what's working the routine that's working so I think throughout my career I haven't been consistent 50 pluses because I didn't get on that streak, and I feel like once I finally, I'm on that now, like, I look at a 50 yarder, it feels, you know, just like an extra point, but before, like, you're, you, I was so eager to, anxious to get a 50 yarder, just so, I'm, I've always been confident that I, I'm good at 50 plus yarders, but my production of the games haven't been that way, so I, just, I was, like, anxious to get one in the game, to, so I can start that streak again. And sometimes, you know, that caused me to, you know, mishit the ball being so excited to, that I got one. So I feel like I'm at such a good point in my career now and my rhythm um, with the snap and hold that um, it's, it's feeling like that good streak is helping on the longer kicks too.
1: So David this is
2: a guy who's in a, a perfect headspace right now as a kicker and that's like being a golfer who gets over the ball and doesn't have a swing thought right and you you, just, you know what's going down the fairway and you don't care and you swing and you and you drill it down there. Monday night what was most notable to me is you get out to Gillette Lab Stadium and you see this sort of it wasn't hard but it was a persistent mist that created some moisture in the air where you say, how's this going to affect the kicking game? And Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, said he went out pregame and thought, man, this might be something that creates a little bit of anxiety for for Cairo and trying to figure out how to navigate some of the wetness of of the night. And he went and started talking to Cairo, and he said he could not have been in a more confident mindset and being like, I I feel like I can kick longer tonight than I normally do. I can kick 60 this direction, 58 this direction. And he was just so locked in and so ready for those conditions that all of a sudden in, in Hightower, words. He was a big time force and a big time leader for the Bears on Monday night. He makes seven kicks in that game, David. Three uh, extra points and four field goals. That's not to be scoffed at in a game that the bears uh, dominated in that fashion, a big deal for this team going forward to have that trust that confident. And for, 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 for Cairo to just be so steady mentally that he, that he knows where he's at and and it rubs off on everyone around him.
1: It's a weapon. There's no doubt about it. I think one of the best things about this pod is that <laughs> you're able to talk to guys like that and get their perspective you know up close and personal and that's a great thing about having you at Alice hall i liked what i heard from kairo santos he sounds like a guy as steady as you would expect him to sound because of the job description he doesn't seem like a guy who who is going to be phased by much he just seems like a real composed professional and he certainly has the results to back it up here's the other thing that's great about it to me is that what his consistency allows Matt Eberflus to do is coach within himself, mm-hmm. is to be himself as a coach. I don't think that we have seen now Matt Eberflus in every coach is going to have calculated risks that they take, but I don't look at Matt Eberflus as a guy who's going to be a slave to analytics and he has to go up for it on every fourth and three or less. Uh, and I think that he understands the value of a field goal and he can appreciate the value of a field goal. When you have a kicker as reliable as Cairo Santos is and doesn't make you live with regret, when you're going to kick a field goal, he reinforces that it's the right decision by making the field goal. So he hasn't made Matt Eberflus look like a guy who is has made a bad decision yet, and I think it's all in concert, and it helps to have a kicker that you can count on to the degree that the bears count on Cairo Santos.
2: Well, you coach your team and you don't coach against a chart, right? And and that's what I think is significant about this, because if it's third and 12 and you're in Kansas city and you, and you trust Patrick Mahomes to, to make a smart decision and a good throw and make a play on third and 12, then you turn him loose. But if you've got Justin Fields and you've had struggles in your passing game, you might say, let's lean on our, our reliable running game, get as much as we can, maybe pop a surprise first down. And if not, we've got three on the board and we need to take this three here and maybe that will change in two or three years as this offense evolves and grows but right now it is what it is and so to have those two things playing off one another i think again it provides a level of comfort here that is not to be taken for granted
1: well i am very proud of myself to devote this much time to a kicker
2: great stuff